0: Welcome to The Just Pod, a podcast by the Criminal Justice Section of the ABA, the Unified Voice of Criminal Justice. Welcome to this episode of The Just Pod. Joining us today is Steven Salzberg, Wallace and Beverly Woodbury University Professor, George Washington University Law School. Today, we're going to discuss resolutions put forward by the criminal justice section at the annual meeting. And so first, Steve is going to walk us through what resolutions are and what the House of Delegates is, just for any listeners who may be unfamiliar with that process.
1: So the House of Delegates is the governing body of the American Bar Association. Until the House of Delegates adopts policy on a subject, the American Bar Association generally can't take positions with respect to that subject. And so the way in which policy gets developed is sections, individuals, bar associations put forth resolutions, which are a little bit like bills that go before the House of Delegates and the House votes on them the house has about as many members as congress has about 500 and some maybe more than 535 it may be 550 the house of delegates meets twice a year once at mid-year once at the annual meeting and the meetings can take one or two days the last meeting in san francisco was a long meeting The House of Delegates considered three resolutions drafted by state bar associations, five constitutional amendments to the association, four bylaw amendments, and then 37 resolutions put forward by sections or standing committees of the American Bar Association. A couple of those were withdrawn, but for the most part, they went through.
0: Well, let's begin with the resolution that the criminal justice section sponsored. This resolution was centered on marijuana, both state and federal laws and inconsistencies there. Can you tell us exactly what this resolution was calling for?
1: Sure. Uh, As many listeners will know, a number of states have legalized marijuana, either medical marijuana only, or marijuana much more generally, some being Colorado, Washington state. And the problem that states have had is that even though they regulate the marijuana business and businesses have to conform very carefully to the legal requirements that each state enacts, it remains a federal crime to deal with marijuana. And the federal government has taken no steps to assure individuals and businesses in states that have legalized it, that the federal government won't come after them. So our resolution urges Congress to exempt states that have regulated marijuana from federal laws that essentially make dealing in marijuana illegal. It would essentially let the states be the 50 laboratories that we think of when we think about the way the United States is structured. Mm -hmm. The resolution also asked Congress to remove marijuana from the schedule of controlled substances as a schedule one substance. And the reason is it's very hard to get people to conduct tests of marijuana to establish how safe or dangerous for that matter it is, as long as marijuana is a drug that's listed on the most punitive schedule that we have. If marijuana were on a lower schedule, the hope is that some of of the folks who are investigating the properties of marijuana would be more likely to be able to run these double-blind tests that might tell us exactly what dangers marijuana poses and how great a threat or risk it is, if it is one at all.
0: Okay, so then how did the conversation or the debate turn out in San Francisco?
1: Well, it passed overwhelmingly. I, it's sometimes hard to tell whether anybody has voted no, because on the entire vote, I don't think there were more than 10 people who would have voted no. But you can't tell because it's a voice vote. And the eyes, the affirmatives were so overwhelming that we didn't really worry. And, and there is no way to be sure anyway, because people don't even stand to vote most of the time.
0: Interesting. Okay. Well, great. Well, then let's move on to two resolutions that our section co-sponsored. Let's talk about the resolution around the First Step Act. Can you give myself and our listeners some background on what that resolution was calling for?
1: Yeah, Congress enacted a major piece of legislation called the First Step Act, which was meant to make less punitive a number of our drug laws. And this resolution urged Congress to make the ameliorative provisions of the First Step Act retroactive. And it urged the Attorney General to take action to implement the provisions of the Act. Originally, as written, it had four different parts to it, but Congress had already taken care of a couple of the parts. And so, Basically, this was an effort to say, great job for a step back, but it didn't quite go far enough, and there's more that needs to be done.
0: Mm-hmm. And what was the response to this resolution?
1: It passed again overwhelmingly.
0: Okay, that's great. And for our listeners, the criminal justice section has created a task force to focus on the First Step Act, and we will be introducing that task force in a few weeks, so look forward to more details on that. Okay, let's move on to the other resolution that the Criminal Justice Section co-sponsored, and this was around guns in courthouses. Again, Steve, would you mind giving us some background on this resolution?
1: Yeah, this resolution called upon various state, local, territorial, and tribal governments to enact statutes, rules, or regulations, and for judges to adopt policies that limit the possession of firearms in courthouses, judicial centers, and surrounding areas to only those persons necessary to ensure security. This particular resolution took several, couple of years anyway, to to be developed because Judges had a concern about certain language that was included in it. There were concerns about rural courthouses and the difference that certain rural courthouses might have from urban courthouses, and eventually what we all agreed on, and, and I think we had the Standing Committee on Gun Violence, CJS, Civil Rights and Social Justice, the Commission on Domestic and Sexual Violence. And the Judicial Division all agreed that just basically the only people who should be carrying firearms in or around courthouses are those whose job it is to ensure security in those courthouses. And that, again, given the broad support it had among these various groups, it passed without any difficulty whatsoever.
0: Yeah, that's quite the group that was assembled to support this resolution going into it. Okay, so let's move on to one of the probably most talked about resolutions at annual. The section, the criminal justice section, was originally going to co-sponsor a resolution on consent, but took a step back. Can you tell us about this resolution and what will happen next?
1: Well, let me give you a little bit of history. Mm -hmm. So that my description of the resolution is as accurate as it can be. Perfect. The American Law Institute has been working on a revised model penal code for any number of years now. And one portion of the model penal code that's received a lot of attention is the portion that deals with sexual assault and particularly consent in sexual assault cases. And the American Law Institute membership debated this at some length on several occasions and arrived at a definition of consent, which is virtually final. Nothing actually in the the ALI is final until the entire model penal code is ready to be approved as an entity. But following the adoption of the consent definition there, the commission on domestic and sexual violence in the ABA, it, or at least certain members of it, were unhappy with the ALI definition and wanted to propose a different definition, which they did propose in a resolution that came before the House of Delegates in Las Vegas in February, or late January. The criminal justice section asked them to postpone consideration of it because we didn't get the resolution until after our fall meeting, never had a chance to discuss it as a council. The commission agreed, and we also represented to the House that we would work together to try to come up with a resolution that both both the commission and CJS were happy with. We did work with the commission. They had a member come to our spring meeting. We talked about language that would seem to work, and we thought we had agreed in principle on language that accomplished what the commission wanted and what CJS was concerned about. After our spring meeting, however, members of CJS became quite concerned that we had rushed this through at the spring meeting, we'd hurried it, and that there were ambiguities, serious ambiguities in the resolution, which could be read in very different ways and One of the ways of reading the language was that the resolution called upon affirmative consent as the standard for consent in sexual assault cases. Now, affirmative consent essentially means that you cannot find consent by essentially looking at all the circumstances. There has to be some verbal or Other nodding ahead, or something like that, that actually affirmatively indicates consent. Affirmative consent was roundly rejected by the American Law Institute. And it was of great concern to CJS because throughout the country, the law is that you look at consent or the lack of consent, you, you measure it by looking at the history between people and all of the circumstances that might be relevant to whether or not there was consent on a particular occasion. The uh, National Association of Criminal Defense Lawyers was particularly concerned that the language would be misread. And when CJS and the commission tried to see if there was some way we could fix the language, it appeared that we just had thought we had reached an agreement, but had, each side had an understanding that differed from the other. And so, first time in my memory that having signed up as a co-sponsor on a resolution, CJS withdrew its co-sponsorship and moved to postpone indefinitely consideration of the resolution. Now, the words postpone indefinitely are words of art in the House of Delegates. They don't mean what they sound like. It doesn't mean that we were trying to kill this forever. What it means is there's no fixed time by which it has to come back. And so we, again, are committed to working with not only the commission, but um, the Standing Committee on Legal Aid and Indigent Defense, SCLADE, Civil Rights and Social Justice, and other groups within the ABA to come up with a resolution that is legally accurate and that captures what we think consent means throughout most, if not all, of the United States. And I think that given the way things went the last time, we probably at CJS will want to take a more active position in terms of drafting so that we don't run into the impasse that we we had in August. Mm -hmm. I should add one more thing. When we had the vote, because you asked, you know, what was the vote? When Mm -hmm. we had the vote, there was a voice vote, and the chair of the the House of Delegates said he was not in doubt that our motion to postpone indefinitely passed. The commission and its supporters asked to have tellers actually physically count the vote. So the the folks in favor stood and were counted. Mm -hmm. The folks in Gens were stood, stood and were counted. And the essentially official action of the House of Delegates states that the motion to postpone indefinitely passed 256 to 165.
0: Mm-hmm. I appreciate you sharing the history that goes along with this resolution and, and what the journey was to get to the point that we are at now. And I think... The takeaway for me is that it, it's clear that everyone's concerned about sexual assaults and making sure we're protecting victims, but that we're protecting everybody in due process when we look at the wording, knowing that that can be what a, a sentence hangs on.
1: Well, that's right. And one of the things that, that lurks in the background here, and mm-hmm. we all need to be aware of it, is that, that colleges and universities are dealing with the problem of sexual assault on campus. Mm-hmm. And a number of policies have been developed, which actually do sound like affirmative consent. But those policies deal with discipline by colleges and universities. They don't deal with the criminal law. Mm-hmm. And it is possible. It is, it's possible that people would choose to have one approach on a collegiate campus, which might, in fact, Ask more of people than what we would put into a criminal statute. Mm-hmm. And that's something that I think complicated things. that the Commission on Sexual and Domestic Violence looks at not only criminal things, they look at, at sexual violence generally. We in CJS have been concerned with overcriminalization
0: mm-hmm. for
1: a number of years now, and want to be careful that we don't overcriminalize. Sexual assault because we're sloppy and not paying attention to exactly how we define criminal activity.
0: Right. Well, thank you again for all of those details and that added insight. I think that's really valuable for our listeners. So let's take it to a higher level and talk about just resolutions and what happens after the House of Delegates votes on these resolutions. So, what now for the resolutions that passed?
1: Well, the marijuana resolution is probably, for, from our perspective, the most important because it now permits our government affairs office to actually talk to members of Congress about making these changes. Until we passed this resolution, we couldn't lobby on the subject. We couldn't lobby at the state level, but actually at this, this resolution really does focus on Congress, and it allows the government affairs office to work with the state legislatures to talk to Congress about why the states basically shouldn't be placed in a position where those involved in the marijuana business lawfully under state law have a sort of Damocles hanging over their head federally. And whether we'll make progress on this, hard to know, Right now, the Department of Justice hasn't expressed any sympathy for this idea. But administrations do change, and ideas change. And the uh, Government Affairs Office will have as much time as it needs to try and push this. And they can, as I say, not only lobby themselves, but they can try to work with some of the state representatives you know, to make the case that it doesn't seem fair to be lurking out there with the threat of severe long-term imprisonment of people who are doing what state law encourages them to do. So we'll, we'll have to wait and see if the, um, if the lobbying works.
0: You know, and I should have mentioned for our listeners that the criminal justice section does have a task force looking specifically at marijuana and federalism. And it is our intention to have that task force on soon to give us an update on their progress and and what their goals are. So look forward to hearing more on that. But it is an issue that the criminal justice section is really focused on at this time. So we'll look forward to hearing more on how that progresses in the future. Okay. Well, thank you, Steve, for walking us through our resolutions at annual. Do you think there's anything else that's valuable for our listeners to know about either this meeting of the House of Delegates or just the work of the House of Delegates and resolutions in the ABA in general?
1: Just a couple things. Um, One is that starting today, which is August the 29th, if you go on the ABA website, you'll be able to see a summary of the action of the House of Delegates. It was just posted. Now, it'll tell you what resolutions pass, in what form. It won't tell you anything about the debate, however.
0: Let me add, there are videos posted of a few of the resolutions.
1: Yeah, I'm talking about the summary. Oh, okay, I'm sorry. Go on, I'm sorry. But good point you make, that there are videos available, which will give people a sense of what some of the debate looked like in the House. The other thing people should know is it's amazing the breadth of these resolutions that came up at this last meeting. We had the Colorado Bar Association backed by certain sections of the ABA talking about broadband access in rural communities. The Maricopa County Bar from Arizona had a resolution that passed Calling on university and college campuses to pr- promote freedom of debate and thought. We had resolutions from the law, a resolution from the law student division to allow third year law students in their last semester to have externships that would get them credit and allow them to take the bar in February of their last year rather than waiting until they graduate so they could essentially pass the bar and start working early. We had resolutions from the Center for Human Rights. A Couple of them were co-sponsored by Civil Rights and Social Justice that covered a number of subjects. The Civil Rights and Social Justice had a resolution um, calling for stronger remedies and protections against pay discrimination on the basis of gender. We had Civil Rights and Social Justice had a resolution approved that called upon the Department of Justice to retain, in the Code of Federal Regulations limits on law enforcement obtaining information from or records of members of news organizations, and that limit federal law enforcement in questioning, arresting, or indicting members of the news media. If one goes online and takes a look of the summary of action, I think you would be impressed at the breadth of coverage that the ABA has through its standing committees through its sections and through the state and local bar associations that participate in the house of delegates it's a very impressive list of resolutions i think
0: yes i would echo that encouragement of going to look at these resolutions and summaries to our listeners that can be found on the aba's website so please do that and Thank you to Steve for joining us. Steve is one of the delegates to the House of Delegates for the criminal justice section, if we didn't say that earlier. Thank you again for joining us. And thank you to our listeners for joining us on this episode of the Just Pod.